0: The volume. The 3NOW podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code COLLIN so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Just watched an incredible Monday Night game. Chiefs somehow beat the Raiders. They usually do. Uh, Mahomes throws a bunch of touchdowns to Kelsey, Derek Carr. No clue where that final pass was going. We will dive into that off the bat. We had a coach lose his job today, saw that one coming a mile away. Uh, I spent Monday morning, I, I watched the Rams-Cowboy game, have some thoughts there. Uh, my good, bad, and the ugly. Some thoughts on Carson Wentz, Jacoby Brissett, And, I. I you know, I, I think I'd rather have Jalen Hurts than Kyler Murray right now. He's just a better player. And so dive into some of that. And then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMs, as well as if you listen on Colin's feed, I appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out podcast, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at TurtleBoxAudio.com. I love my friends at TurtleBox. You know why? Because it's the loudest, most portable, and truly waterproof Bluetooth speaker on the market. It features, here's the key. You know the thing with these, uh, you know, portable Bluetooth speakers is the battery life. Well, this thing has the longest battery life I've ever seen. So when you're out tailgating, when you're hanging out barbecuing, when you're kicking it with your buddies, it doesn't run out of batteries. And even better, they are now offering pro and collegiate team color combinations where you can show off team pride. You're a Chiefs fan, get a red one. Packer fan, get a green one. Come on, guys. Go to TurtleBoxAudio.com, enter the promo code John, that's promo code J-O-H-N, for $20 off your first order and free shipping. Impress everyone at the tailgate, wherever you're hanging out. That's TurtleBoxAudio.com, promo code John, for the best outdoor speaker out there. Get on it right now. Okay, where do we even start? I think on a big picture... That is a remarkable place to watch a primetime NFL game. The fan base, the lights, the atmosphere, that's elite. I mean, that's the NFL, I mean that's probably the NFL's best night venue on a Monday Sunday night. We saw it earlier this season on Thursday Night Football. We see it on Monday Night Football. I get a little nostalgic for us for us kids that grew up in the 90s. Remember Marty Schottenheimer, Derek Thomas. Feels like they played on Monday Night Football a lot. That matchup, the AFC West. Just, listen, I don't, I mean, I guess I'm a Sneaky Chiefs fan. I root for Andy. I root for those guys. Love Patrick Mahomes. But I've known Derek since he was at Fresno State. Like, I'm, I'm rooting for him to succeed. And Max Crosby, how can you not like that guy? That was, even if you didn't have a rooting interest, you didn't have any money on the game, you didn't have anyone on your fantasy teams in the game, I, how are you not glued to your seat? I mean, that that is why the NFL is king right there. Baseball, a month into the season, doesn't have that into the bag. In basketball, no one cares about a mid-November game. That thing, edge of your seat. I mean, the Raiders are a one and three team now, they're one and four, yet it felt like a playoff game. That was fantastic. That that was an elite product. I mean, I I enjoyed every second of that, especially the second half. And, you know, it's going back and forth. Derek makes the big play. Let's face it. I love that Andy went for two, went for the kill shot, tried to knock him out, didn't get it. Then Josh and Derek hits the bomb to Devontae. He goes for two, basically trying to take the lead, which wasn't crazy because if you think about it, if they ended up being down one, well, if they they take the lead, the kicker has missed kicks. So I I don't hate that play at all. Uh, Ultimately... You have Andy and Mahomes, whose resumes speak for themselves, right? They've won a Super Bowl. They've had a ton of success. They're kind of the the league's big dog right now. Now, the Bills play the Chiefs this week. We'll see if they can kind of – I don't think you can really knock them off in a regular season game, but it's a big week for the Bills. The Chiefs, well-established, right? Been kicking everyone's ass now for five straight years with Mahomes. Four straight AFC Championship games. Feels like they're headed back there again. Whether they win or lose this game, whatever. Pretty big moment for Josh and Derek, right? Josh is trying to establish himself. He can succeed away from Belichick, off to a terrible start at 0-3. Wins last week, gets a little momentum back. Looks like he has a chance. He's up early in this game. Derek is trying to match Mahomes in the second half. Doesn't feel like he's able to. Then he throws the incredible pass to Devontae on the run. They look like they were back at Bulldog Stadium in Fresno 10 years ago. It's like, God, he's got a swag back. Then he has the chance on the final drive. And I can't put the third down play where he hits Devonte in the hands and he kind of double clutches it and obviously doesn't get two feet in bounds. Then on the final play of the game, like let's face it, if you're Steve Spagnola, send the house at Derek and see how he reacts. He throws up a prayer when two guys run into each other. Like, I- I'm sorry, that's a terrible play call. I can't have a low percentage play or even a finger cross hope I get a play call on a must-have-it-down on the road against the Chiefs. If anything, quick out, quick slant, a run to Josh Jacobs, who, was, who has really been unreal all season. Don't forget, the Raiders did not pick up his fifth-year option which I guess at the time wasn't that crazy, but he's clearly a pretty talented player, and I get you don't want to overpay for running backs, but the fucking dude is running for like a buck fifty every single game. He was one of the best players on the field. And tonight was a star night. Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, Max Crosby, Devontae Adams. It was like, could Derek match all those guys? Because it is a star-studded event. And for the most part, I thought Derek was pretty solid. But ultimately, you're not judged on the pass you make in the second quarter. You're really judged on that final pass. And I just don't know where it's going. I just don't think you can make that play. Now, you could argue it's a great defensive call, bringing a ton of heat. They got right up on Derek, and he just let it go. But it wasn't even close. Even if the two guys haven't run hadn't run into each other, Randy Moss, Hussein Bolt isn't catching that ball. And this is the problem when you get yourself into a hole in the NFL and you're zero and three or one and four. It's hard to ever get back to five hundred because eventually you have to go on a winning streak, right? You got to win three or four games just to get a little breath of fresh air and be like five and four. But if you don't, you're always behind the eight ball. Now, clearly, the Raiders aren't some shit team, right? They're the Panthers. They're one and four. They're atrocious. The Raiders aren't. But at the end of the day, their record is their record. <laughs> so it's like I, I don't see. Like, they got some flaws. The offensive line, not really that trustworthy. It's just not. And they just always do some stupid stuff. Now, they did get an incredible call go their way early in the game. Obviously, Andy flips. The internet flips. I said this a little later on the podcast. Here's a simple reality. The entire country about six, seven years ago turned on football. Everyone was, you know, calling for the NFL to fold, concussions, the brutality of the sport. So the league... The NFL, college football, went completely the other way. They do not let anyone touch the quarterbacks. They make all these crazy targeting plays. Regular tackles are now 15-yard penalties, which bother me. I've never, I've always said, I'm not going to apologize. I like football for the violence of the sport. And I got news for you. I think a lot of people do. Now, I'm not rooting for anyone to get hurt. I don't want to watch Tua lying there on the ground. But I also don't like these... Pretty basic tackles to be called roughing the passer or a defenseless wide receiver. There's no such thing as a defenseless wide receiver. You're literally playing football. You are running a route, and the guy is trying to hit you. Welcome to the sport. But the NFL has implemented these rules. They've clearly told the referees to be extra cautious, and now they lean, throw the flag at Anything close. Now, you can argue, what the hell? That's not even close. But that's just the reality we've been living in for a while now. It, uh, to me, the call against Brady, the call tonight, the calls for the last several years, we see this over and over and over again. Now, obviously, we're never going back to the Ronnie Lott, Steve Atwater, John Lynch just decapitate people. But I do think we've jumped the shark the other way. And once we did, you just, this is part of the deal because they're always going to lean, protect the quarterback. I don't give a shit how basic the tackle or the hit looks. It's just part of the sport now. So I no longer get that mad at it anymore. If anything, I get really angry at college football when they throw out the kids and the targeting. Like, I, I think we all know nobody in the NFL and in college football is trying to hurt anybody and these referees just constantly throw the flags. Like, to me, Referees, for the most part, in all sports, are pretty, in, you know, inept. They're just not that good at their job. I, I've been saying it forever, but like when it comes to these tackles, like they, they just throw these flags that ten years ago you would have been laughed out of the stadium. Now it's just part of the sport, and it's it's laughable, but it's our reality. And the Raiders, let's face it, in the history of the franchise, usually don't get those breaks. They got one tonight, and they didn't take advantage of it. You're up big on the Chiefs, somewhat of a trap game for Kansas City, right? They play Tampa last week. They're playing the Bills next week. Obviously, it's Monday Night Football, and it's a division rivalry. But, you know, I don't think the Chiefs view the Raiders as some equal. And I don't think, and I've been watching the Raiders very closely now for a long time, I don't think a game has gone by since Travis Kelsey has come into the league where they have covered him. Obviously, he had four touchdowns a night. He played, and he's been playing in the Tahoe Celebrity Golf Tournament now for years with Patrick. And he told somebody this year at, you know, a a reporter, someone from like uh, some random NBC affiliate that he loves Raider fans. And the affiliate asked him, like, why do you love Raider fans? Because every time I see a Raider fan, I tell him, I know I'm going to go for 200 plus and we're going to get a dub. Now, he didn't go for 200 plus tonight. But he had four touchdowns, and on this team, when Kelsey—or excuse me, when Tyreek—is no longer there, if you're the Raiders, under no circumstances can you let 87 just consistently get open, especially in the red zone. Like that's unacceptable. And I know Patrick Graham, who's on all these lists of being a next head coach, and everyone thinks really highly of him. Like, can't we double the guy? I would say the same thing with with the Chiefs when it comes to Devontae. Waller, who really, let's face it, Waller's been a little MIA for a couple years. He was sweet when no one knew who he was, and then we all knew who he has been, and now he's just kind of in and out of the lineup for about two years running now. So when Waller's on the sideline and sweats, and it's Devontae and basically Renfro, like if Renfro's going to kill me with little sitting in the zone, little, little out routes, little slants, little just sitting right over the middle and hitting the ground, so be it. I can't let Devontae beat me down the field. I'm doubling 17 and I'm doubling 87. I think it's pretty basic. And if I was playing the Raiders, I would stack the box because Josh Jacobs is going nuts. Chiefs get out of there with a win, wasn't pretty. And the Raiders just, they are, to me, they're a better team than Denver. But like, I just don't see how they get the wins. You know, that's the problem with finding yourself in a hole. People start questioning themselves. Devontae's throwing his helmet, there are going to be a ton of jokes. On the internet about Devontae leading, leaving Green Bay. Uh, I, it's weird because obviously these guys are close friends. They've had a rapport for a long period of time, but they haven't played with each other since college. And Derek's just simply not even close to as good as Aaron Rodgers. And I, I, listen, the Raiders, for a long, large percentage of Derek's career, have not played in big games. And when I say big games, Sunday night, Monday night, like they don't play in prime time that much. Now, Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek and Andy and Chris Jones and these guys, they've been playing in prime time games their entire career. There's a different pressure with that. You could feel it sitting on your couch. The fucking stadium's going nuts. You're on the edge of your seat. Every play's contested. The referees are on edge. It's just different. It just is when you play in these big games, coming up on Sunday night football. I'm fascinated to watch Jalen Hurts. We've all anointed him. Now he's playing on Sunday night. There's a ton of pressure in this game Sunday night. It ain't the same playing in the day in Arizona or playing a morning game against Jacksonville. And I've been saying forever, he's been playing great. But we'll see how it looks with all the chips on the line. And same thing would go for Cooper Rush. But Mahomes, I have no issue Josh Allen, never worry. Lamar Jackson, even when it's not going well, he'll figure it out. These guys are used to playing in these environments. And sometimes you see it with Derek, like, gets a little tight. And tonight on that final play, and his coach too, like, what the hell is that? What is that play call? Have no issue with them going for two, just like I had no issue with Andy going for two. You're playing to win these games. But when you are in specific situations, and it was a little unlucky, Devontae, who's got some of the most sure hands in the league, double clutches that ball that on the fourth and one I'm sorry I need something kind of easy whether it's a quick wheel route hell I might even run the ball I, I don't know I, I need something low or I mean higher percentage than some potential you know blitz beater go route I mean the chances even if he does get a free release the that hit that's probably 50 50 hell even earlier in the game Derek was throwing lob balls to Devante and two of them led to OPI's because he left them way short. Now you can argue that's a good percentage that you just get these penalties because these referees are so inclined to throw the flag. But still, I, I don't. I just don't like that play, you know, with 40 seconds left, fourth and one on the road against the best team you're going to play all year long. And uh, it ultimately cost them the game. And, and the Raiders now got to be kicking themselves for the way their season started. And the Chiefs look like they're cruising toward uh, another divisional champion. Uh, championship and to me what might come down to the number one seed this Sunday gonna be fun can't wait football season is underway so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 that's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win just sign up using the promo code Colin FanDuel has all your favorite bets from Moneyline to point spreads to player Props. You can combine your bets For a chance at a bigger payout with A same game parlay. The app Is safe, secure And super easy to use. Get paid Your winnings fast. So sign Up today with promo code Colin For your no sweat first bet Make every moment more This season with FanDuel. Official Sportsbook partner of the NFL See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org chat Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770, STOP, Louisiana, or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan, 1-877-8777. Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369 New York, Tennessee Redline 1800 888 9789 Tennessee 1800 522 4700 Wyoming visit www.100gambler.net West Virginia. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get... had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, before we get into the uh, the Cowboys-Rams game, which was the game of the day, the number one crew, Burkhart, and I- I'm calling him a fill-in, though I like Greg Olson, Tom Brady, who's going to retire after this year, is going to fill that seat next year. Be fun, interesting, see if he's any good. Don't think he'll be bad, but, you know, I don't know if it's going to be Romo right away, but who knows? Maybe maybe Brady will let it rip. But before we get in that game, the big news of the day is Matt Rule. And I said all week on my other podcast where I talk a lot about the 49ers was that they had the opportunity to put Rule on the street. Now, he's not going on the unemployment line and having to collect unemployment. He's owed $40 million. Never forget. David Tepper paid $2.5 billion for the team in cash. He paid it in cash. This guy has so much money, it's stupid. Now, he took a big swing on Matt Rule. It failed. And all I saw today on social media was like, this guy sucks so bad, he's owed $40 million. One thing I learned a long time ago in life, and everyone learns this as you get older, you don't get what you deserve in life. You get what you negotiate. And his agent negotiated a contract of sixty plus million dollars. Now it's not like Tepper was making three. I say it all the time. He was making like eight and a half at Waco, Texas. And here's a simple reality: he was a complete failure in the NFL, mainly because of the quarterback situation. He deserved to be fired. Eleven and twenty-seven, terrible in any game where the opponent. They said yesterday in the Niner game, if the opponent scores over seventeen points, he was one in twenty-six. Well, we're not talking thirty points. We're talking seventeen. The quarterback situation, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold. I, I condone the Sam Darnold move. I thought Sam I thought the 49ers should have got Sam Darnold last year. I thought Sam Darnold was a good player. Turns out he's not. And it turns out Baker Mayfield might be equally as bad. But Baker Mayfield's terrible. So in the NFL, you can't like keep recruiting and just figure it out. You can't get some transfer. I technically you can I guess, with trades, but it's a lot harder. Like it's much easier to get Jackson Dart in the transfer portal right Justin Fields in the transfer portal. We see all the time really good quarterbacks transfer. That is normal protocol now in college football. In the NFL, if a guy's on the trading block, he's usually Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo with a bad shoulder or Sam Darnold. It's not like you know who's on the trading block, Josh Allen. Oh, you know who do we trade for? Oh, Lamar Jackson. Like that's that's not the way it works. And that was ultimately Matt Rule's undoing. Here's the other problem Matt Rule has and why I think he's much more suited for college. And listen, in college, you know, in the NFL, I, 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 you know where I stand on the word. He just got his bag. No one gets bags in the NFL. No one gets bags in real life beside like the mafia and corrupt people. We get wire transfers that the government knows about and we pay taxes. And David Tepper, I watched a lot of his press conferences today. He said the one thing that's unique about the NFL, everyone has the same amount of money. Everyone has the same amount of draft picks. You're operating on an even playing field. Why, when Urban Meyer crushed it in college, he wasn't on an even playing field. When you're at Ohio State, when you're at Florida, you're not Oregon State and Iowa State and Kansas State and hell, Mississippi State and South Carolina. They're not your equals. You're at an elite place that has enormous advantages, especially Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Texas A&M. Now with NIL, they have more money. And here's another simple reality in college football. While NIL is an enormous thing and guys are still getting paid, cheating is still going on. Bags of cash, jobs on the side, shady shit is still going down. There's nothing shady in the NFL. I can either afford to sign you as a free agent, I either have the draft capital to make the trade, it's all all private sector above board. Now, a lot of money, a lot of capital is on the line, but you're either good at making moves or you're not. And clearly, Matt Rule, from a general manager standpoint, Went through one, got a new one, just felt a little over his head. Now, does that mean that Oklahoma, who, if Brett Venables keeps losing at this pace, shouldn't be interested? Of course they should. Should Auburn be interested? Should Nebraska be interested? He is going to get a job immediately because NFL success and college success are completely different. Chip Kelly, I thought, was completely over his head in in the pros. Pretty good college coach. Now he's winning at UCLA. Jim Harbaugh it was one of the rare guys that could do both. Urban Meyer didn't last a year. Matt Rule is going to be fine. But ultimately, is Carolina a good job? Well, it is if the if the owner is willing to pay $15 to $20 million a year. Because anytime you're willing to pay someone five years, $90 million, they're going to pick up your phone call. And David Tepper... You know, is he rattled by this move? Does he just go to an NFL coordinator now? Does Florio wrote an article about him being interested in Sean Payton? I don't know why Sean Payton would have any interest in this job. Do they go full tank? Do they trade their players? A lot of people on the internet are like, DJ Moore, should he be on the block? I wouldn't trade DJ Moore. But hell, if you get a first round pick, maybe you blow the thing up. Here's the problem with blowing the thing up. Does that make the job more enticing or is the job more intriguing to a candidate if they're better players on the roster. I mean, there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer, but I think this is why you make the move now. So you can start going upon the hiring process. So you can start going upon your shortlist. You're not doing anything shady. And you allow this guy to get back into college because it was just clearly not working out. I mean, I don't even think I would say the Niners play like a B game, B minus game, and they beat the living piss out of them. So the Panthers were trending. I picked them to win the division. That was wrong. I shorted Brady in the divorce. Turns out he's unfazed by marital issues. He keeps kicking ass, and he gets great calls on uh, roughing the passer. But Matt rules out. Carolina Panthers, you know, first job open, and we'll see where it trends. Honestly, I got no clue. Anytime you have, you know, an owner making a second hire, your guess is as good as mine. And then let's, uh, I I watched, I I didn't watch it yesterday, the Rams and the Cowboy game. Let's start with the Rams. I'm going to use this analogy for the Rams. Let's say two of us go to the blackjack table. We each have $5,000. If every hand of blackjack, I pay $1,000. If I lose every single one, I'm only going to get five hands. If you have $5,000 and you play $100 of hands, you are going to get, do the math, 50 hands. And that, if you win some, you double down, who knows? You have a lot more options, and you have a lot more time before you hit zero. The Rams play blackjack, They have the same amount of money as every other team. Because like, as David Tepper mentioned in his press conference, as Howie Roseman has talked about before, every team has the same amount of salary cap space. Every team has the same amount of draft capital. You just get to choose how you want to use it. And the Rams have chosen over the years to trade for Jalen Ramsey, to trade for Matt Stafford. I've understood why they've done it. But when you do that, you limit your ability. Like, ultimately, the the Rams, they haven't picked in the first round for what feels like a decade. Hell, a lot of those years, they didn't even have a second-round pick. Like, one reason, them and the Niners, for example. The Niners have a ton of injuries to star players. Yet, when you watch them, they have way more depth than the Rams. Well, why? Well, they Aaron Banks, second-rounder last year. Uh, Drake Jackson, second-rounder this year. Debo Samuel, second-rounder a couple years ago. They've used a lot of second-round picks, let alone first-round picks, on players. So their margin for error when it comes to injuries or poor play or a miss in free agency is much greater. For example, the Rams, they take a swing on Allen Robinson. That has not worked at all. So when you take a big swing in free agency and you allocate $15, $20, 30000000 million into one player and you don't get great return on investment, you're going to be in trouble. And then here's another example. The 49ers had Joe Staley retire; They were going to be in major trouble if Trent Williams didn't basically dictate his way to the 49ers. Well, the Rams have Andrew Whitworth, who retires. And there's not some random Trent Williams that Sean McVay knew that wanted to play for him. So they're basically shit out of luck. Just like the majority of teams that don't have a first-round pick, that don't have much salary cap space... What are you going to do if your starting left tackle retires? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to insert a backup. And then immediately you're going to be in trouble. And then if you have an injury or two, all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball. And let's face it, the Rams' offensive line hasn't been that good for a while. So when you watch them the last couple weeks, play the Cowboys, play the 49ers. They are getting dominated at the point of attack. Like, listen, Matt Stafford can be a roller coaster ride. He throws a lot of picks. And he threw, you know a pretty bad one at the end of the game, but he is getting peppered over and over and over again. He's not Lamar Jackson. He can't just run away from pressure. So he's not necessarily a sitting duck because he's not Brady or Manning or Phillip Rivers. He can move a little bit, but he can't move that much. And he definitely can not outrun the Micah Parsons, the Nick Bosa's. hell, most of the defensive tackles in the league. So he's running for his life. He's got one guy that he can depend on who is fucking fantastic in Cooper Cup, who had an unreal touchdown yesterday on like a slant route, took it to the house, but he doesn't have anyone else. There's no Robert Woods on this team. That's another underrated part about this team. For the last several years, the moment they traded for, as he likes to go by Bobby Trees, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup made up a very, very good duo. And then Higby came into his own. They had multiple weapons. Well, and that's what I said about the Niners. Like, they don't just have Debo Samuel. They also have Brandon Ayuk, who, I don't know, they used a first-round draft pick on. They don't just pull these players out of nowhere. They use high a lot of capital to acquire these guys. The Rams don't have that leeway. So when they miss on Allen Robinson, and he's nowhere near what Robert Woods for them, they're at a huge disadvantage. And their defense isn't playing that bad. I mean, it's not like the Cowboys scored 38 points yesterday. Cooper Rush, they threw for 100 yards, but their margin for error right now because their offense struggles to score points is very, very slim. And it looks looks really bad. And here's the other thing. Even though McVay comes from the Shanahan tree, like ultimately Mike Shanahan and then Kyle Shanahan and Gary Kubiak as well, like that crew of guys, really Mike, Kubiak, and then Kyle, they love to run the football. It's their ethos as a coach, right? Andy Reid's, Like his ethos is throwing the football. Bill Walsh's ethos was throwing the football. Now Andy likes throwing deep. Walsh likes throwing short. Kyle likes running the zone scheme just like Kubiak did, just like his dad did. Sean McVay, while he learned from those guys, ultimately he likes throwing the football. And I got no problem with that. Ultimately, you got to stay true to yourself, right? You got to be whatever you do for any job. Whoever your mentor is, they can teach you things. You can learn a lot from them. But for you to be successful, you have to do it your way. Now, you can take what they're teaching you and use that maybe as the base, but you got to put your own personal spin on them. It's why he ultimately wanted to get rid of Jared Goff and get Matt Stafford, because he aspired to throw the football. But to throw the football in the NFL, you need a good offensive line. The majority of Andy Reid's career in Philadelphia— And then in Kansas City, in multiple iterations with Alex and now with Mahomes, he's had good offensive lines. Why? Because I can't depend on throwing the ball 40-plus times a game if I can't protect my passer. And right now, Matt Stafford feels like he's on the ground every other play. And it's not a sustainable way to play. And for whatever reason, Mike Shanahan used to do this. Gary Kubiak took Arian Foster, who I think was like a seventh-round draft pick, and Kyle, every single year, has new running backs. Yet, McVeigh, like, the, the easiest... Like, it is hard to sometimes find wide receivers, right? It's not just some easy thing to just go find a guy that can get you 80 catches. But I should be able to find running backs who can function. Even if my offensive line is just okay. Now, you could argue if your offensive line is so terrible, even in years past, guys like Saquon Barkley can't find green grass. And that's a problem with the Rams. I don't know if they have that much talent in their backfield... McVay doesn't really want to run it, and then their offensive line can't sustain blocks. So it's just a double whammy, and they find themselves in only passing situations, and Matt Stafford does two things. One, he turns the ball over, and two, he's just under pressure. So anytime you're under pressure, it's hard to just be successful. And the Rams are kind of in shambles. Now, they get Steve Wilks, and they get the Carolina Panthers this week. Baker Mayfield's in a boot. P.J. Walker's going to start. Should be a get-right game, be three and three but like they got major flaws. I by no means think they are a lock playoff team. Ultimately McVay might have to pivot on the fly. He can't be stubborn and just stick with the like to me he's got to hammer the run game. But I don't know if that's what he really wants to do. And then on the flip side, we've all shit on this guy, and I'm just as guilty as anybody. But you got to give Mike McCarthy some credit because we love crushing guys when things are going bad. Kingsbury, Brandon Staley, you know, it happens over and over in the profession. But he's four and one, so no one in their right mind, if they were fully healthy, I didn't view the Cowboys as a four and one team. Honestly, I viewed them as like a nine and eight team, and that's back before Dak Prescott ever got injured. Now they're four and one, and anytime you're four and one, like they're a big underdog this week with the Eagles. But who knows? Like I'm not your defense is that good, and their defense right now is fantastic. Dan Quinn deserves a ton of credit. He's really carrying the Cowboys. Now, I'm not acting like I believe if I could have Mike McCarthy as my head coach, I'd want him. I wouldn't. But, like, his resume speaks for itself right now. He's 12-5 and five last year. He's 4-1 this year. He's the head man. You get all the grief. You also get all the credit. But clearly, if you watch the Cowboys, Dan Quinn has done a fantastic job. Because that defense gets after your ass. And Micah Parsons is kicking butt and taking names. The rest of their defensive line is flying around. They just, they, they've they been awesome. I mean, they, they really have. And that game Sunday night has the NFL licking their lips because anytime they can get an NFC East battle that matters in Sunday or Monday night football, it's called ratings galore. And game at Philly, a huge game for Sirianni and the Eagles, not just because they're really good, but because the Cowboys... You know the final game last year did not matter, right? Week eighteen, the Eagles rested their players, and I, I think I've, I've said over the year that they split. Cowboy fans got really mad at me. The Cowboys swept them last year, but the last game, I'm not even counting. But the game that did ma- matter last year, I'm pretty sure it was Monday Night Football, one of the worst games Jalen Hurts has ever played. Cowboys beat the living piss out of them. It, it's a, it's a massive game. Now the Eagles are, I think, our five and a half point favorite. They should be. It's hard to bet against the birds. You know, Cooper Rush, you're just not going to beat the Eagles strong for 100 yards. You know, I, I want to do a little something today called the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, just pick a couple things that I saw yesterday. And to me, the good has to just be the Eagles. I mean, you're 5-0. You found a way to win in several different avenues. You've been up big. You've been up small. You've been down. Yesterday, on the road, even though I don't think Arizona's any good, I think Kyler is having a terrible season. Kingsbury's having an even worse season. The Arizona franchise in shambles, but what do you do? You, you have a long road trip, and you come out, and before you blank, you're up 14 nothing, and you're in complete control of the game. Now, somehow, the Arizona Cardinals always come back out of nowhere. Kyler runs around, but they didn't deserve to win that game. Uh, They screwed up at the end of the game. Now, you could argue uh, the the clock operator or whoever in Glendale, some people say there was an Eagles writer that said he looked up and when Kyler slid on second down and when he spiked it on third down, if you looked up, it said fourth down. Like the, The clock operator was all messed up and it threw Kyler off. I don't know, man. All I do know is that Kyler is just not the most trustworthy guy and I'll get into this a little bit later, but Jalen's a better player than Kyler Murray right now. One guy's a second-round pick, making like a million dollars. The other guy makes 45. I I know which guy I'd rather have, and the Eagles should be pretty fired up because their team top to bottom is just loaded. They're playing great, and they get an opportunity this weekend to take full control of that division. I think the bad would be the officiating. Obviously, a lot of people are like, Middlecoff, what's your take on uh, the Brady call? Well, my overall take is... Listen, this is what everyone wanted. CTE, concussions, get that out of the game, make the game safer. The NFL getting sued left and right. College football, you know, kicking people out of games for targeting. Nothing I hate more. But they have overreacted. They have gone above and beyond the wrong way. Now, obviously, you want the game to be safe, but these calls on the quarterback the last several years have been an embarrassment. Guys barely get touched, and they throw flags for you know, hurting the, the the quarterback. There's not a comment I hate worse in football than defenseless. There is no such thing if you are in an NFL game or a college game at wide receiver, a defenseless wide receiver. No. The moment the ball is snapped, you know what you signed up for. And the reality is I'm not allowed to hit you in the head anyway anymore. But if I hit you in the chest and you're defenseless, that's a 15-yard penalty. That really bothers me. But that's what everyone pushed for five, six years ago when everyone went eight, went nuts. And that fucking movie with Will Smith came out about concussion. It was literally called concussion. This is what everyone wanted. So the referees have gone completely crazy on the other end now and get so flag happy the moment I touch a quarterback. And obviously Tom Brady is the poster child because years ago they implemented the rule that you can't hit him in the leg. And anytime Brady gets touched, he gets flagged. Now, was that uh, an egregious error by the referee? Of course. But I say it all the time. Two professions where you can be inept and keep your job. It's, you know, in the political realm, politicians and referees. I mean, they can just be consistently terrible and, uh, you know, just keep their profession, keep their jobs. And that call was a joke, but now Tom Brady's single now. Maybe the NFL threw him a bone for doing all that he's done for them for 22 years. But I'm sorry, I I can't get that worked up for the Atlanta Falcons because I just simply don't care about Atlanta. Now, if that had been a game where where I think it's two playoff teams, now you could argue Atlanta's been feisty, and they have, but I, I think they'll come back to earth pretty quickly here. Now, I get why Arthur Smith's pissed off because that call is pretty outrageous, but it happened, and if you watch football... On Saturdays and Sundays, you consistently see calls when it comes to the violence in the game, when it comes to, you know, quote-unquote headhunting or targeting, that you're like, give me a break. But that's what we've all signed up for with the reaction of five, six years ago. Because to me, they went too far the other way. Uh, And then the ugly would have to be the combination of Mike Tomlin and Dan Campbell. The Steelers and the Lions got beat by a combined 67-3. to the Lions against Billy Zappi lost 29 to nothing. Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers had their biggest loss since 1989. Anytime you see a stat like that, something hasn't happened since the 80s. When you have a franchise that is consistently won like the Steelers, that's an eye opener. Just like when they said the Steelers were the biggest underdog in the history of the franchise. Like, that's pretty crazy. And it turned out to not even be close to a big enough line. The Steelers are really, really bad. Their offense is atrocious. They can't run the ball. Their defense with T.J. Watt is a shell of itself. I don't know if they're quite number one overall pick bad, but they're definitely close to number one pick bad than they are a competitive football team right now. And the Bills, early in that game, sensed blood in the water, and they beat the living shit out of them. And the Lions, Dan Campbell, called that... uh, basically they hit rock bottom. Those were his exact words. They hit rock bottom. Yeah, Dan, you did because I had someone that thought you were going to be feisty. Someone that thought you could win some games. You could even compete, maybe not make a wild card, but win like seven and 10 and be in the mix headed into December, that's not happening. I I think we're going to see a team that is, uh, I mean, their defensive coordinators, terrible Jared Goff's, you know, I know everyone's like Jared Goff, look at his stats. Yeah. Stats aren't normal. When you're down 20, 25 points in a game and you throw a couple touchdowns, I don't view that the same as when you're in a tie game and you throw a couple touchdowns. It's I don't want to quite say hollow stats, but I don't view those as like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes stats. And it's clearly, clearly kind of playing out that way. So it turns out the Lions are pretty awful, and the Steelers, which actually, remember, they tied last year, might actually be very similar to each other. A couple other things. Carson Wentz is just a bizarre player. Yesterday, he was having a very, very good game. He was 25 of 37 with multiple touchdowns. And the commanders are driving the field. They're in the red zone. I think they're at like the six yard line, down four with a chance to win the game. And what does he do? He throws it to a Tennessee Titan, (laughs) and the Titans win the game. And then today, Ron Rivera asked the difference of his team in a rebuild compared to all the other teams. And he simply said, the quarterback. So basically, the head coach, who's a high character, good guy, basically said the reason we suck is Carson Wentz. Now, I don't think that's totally true, but Carson just kills you, man. I mean, he makes some of the worst mistakes at the most inopportune times. Like he's, for a guy with just physical, special physical gifts, nobody can just deflate you more than Carson Wentz. And speaking of deflation, Jacoby Brissett. You could just watch him and go, God, you know, I kind of like Jacoby. Look at this. Just leading the Browns. They're beating the Chargers. He's having a really good game. Fourth quarter, big spot, rolls out, throws it right to a linebacker. He just, and I I forget the exact stat, but he's got a bunch of picks this year in the fourth quarter. He just kills you when it matters. Because the Browns, they have a really talented team. They have a ton of good players on defense. Nick Chubb's a stud. Amari, I think, tapped out yesterday on a big drive. But, you know, make some plays. Had a touchdown yesterday. Tight end's sweet. Their offensive line's good. It's just very, very hard to win week in, week out with a backup quarterback. And, you know, just speaking of the two quarterbacks, we talked last week about the Lincoln-Riley guys. Jalen Hurts is just a better player than Kyler Murray. Just period, point blank, end of story. Right now, in 2022, Jalen Hurts is a better player than Kyler Murray. Now, he's not more talented. Kyler is faster. He's more elusive. He's got a bigger arm. But when you just watch the two guys play, and I... I had the game on yesterday, but I was more focused on the Niner game. I, I just re-watched it this morning. I, I just feel like Jalen is a more calming presence. You know, there, something is just really, really off. I, 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 we all agreed. It was insane for them to give Kyler that contract. He was acting like a baby. He demanded money. He had never proven anything. And he's gotten worse. They already had reservations because he played video games. He wouldn't study. Think about that. Like it's funny, but it's also like you're gonna pay this guy $45 million a year and you are worried that he plays too many video games and doesn't focus enough on his job. Say that out loud in whatever job you do. Imagine if you're an employer or if you own a business, if you were worried, like you had an employee that you thought was really talented, but you just didn't think his focus was there. And the reason he wasn't focused, not because you know he's like, going through a divorce or his kid was sick or something happened with his parents. It was because he couldn't put down the fucking controller. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not paying. I can't trust this guy. Yet they gave him all that money. Like this is what they signed up for. And the reason the Eagles were bullish on Jalen hurts. And I, I don't think they ever thought he, you know, they can say that I, I'm calling a little bit of BS. They ever thought he'd be this good. But the reason they did believe in the guy was because of how focused he was, because of how much he cared, because of how serious he took his craft. Basically, the complete opposite of Kyler Murray. Like, football meant everything to him. And it's paying off in dividends. And they've done a good job building up the team around him. The defense is awesome. A.J. Brown's a stud. Devontae Smith's a stud. The Eagles, man, are just, you know, 5-0. Oh, no big deal. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based Okay, let's get to the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. The Dawn. Zinger for the bag. The Chargers and Bengals should both fire their head coaches, regardless of the results at the end of the season, and hire Sean Payton. Either quarterback-coach combo would straight up with straight soggy bread. Just nasty. (laughs) Yeah, I would say Sean Payton with Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert would be a pretty good one. I, I can't see the Bengals doing that. Owner too cheap. Chargers, you know, L.A., little desperation. Who knows? That's does not feel like it's trending well. Question for the podcast. Last night, Justin Tucker proved again he is one of the best kickers in NFL history. He has not missed a fourth-quarter overtime kick since 2015. That's a good stat. We're seeing a lot of kickers miss backbreaking kicks all across the league on a regular basis. We always have. If Tucker was a true free agent, how much would a team give him per year? 8 million, 12 million? 12 feels a little high. Yeah, I I, I could see 8 8 9. I mean, he's a pretty valuable asset when you don't miss a kick, for sure. So, 12 you know the salary cap's two hundred million dollars. Investing over five percent of your cap to a kicker feels a little unlikely, but you know, if I thought I'd have to pull some GMs, maybe maybe it's not that crazy. Depending on how much you're paying your quarterback, the problem is his value. You know, if you're like the Lions, the Jags, the Texans, let's say teams that have a lot of cap space. It would probably make sense, but you know, in terms of you'd have the money to do it, but he wouldn't impact your season that much. You know, he might be the difference of winning four games or six games, right? But if you're the Packers or shit, the Ravens, you know, the Niners, the Rams, you know, like playoff contenders, you don't have the money to pay a $12 million kicker. So it's kind of a tough spot. I think he would probably end at like eight. You're probably right. I'm a Packer fan. Please help. The only thing that makes me happy is knowing that we aren't the Lions. You can't lose the Giants. Not when you're up seventeen to three. Not when you're up twenty to ten at halftime. That, that that just can't happen. You, you can't lose that game. You know, I, I heard Colin kind of go on a rant on his on his radio show. You know, Lafleur. Part of being up in a game is. Coming out of halftime, having the plan to basically execute your opponent, you have Aaron Fucking Rodgers on your team. That loss, they've had some bad losses. That loss, like to me, you get blown out. They've had a couple of blowout losses last couple. Whatever, I, I don't care. To me, losing a game like that is beyond devastating, and you kind of feel it sometimes when they get in must-passing situations and Devontae's not there and he's got to throw. You know, they're relying a lot on Randall Cobb in the slot. And Alan Lazard, and we kind of knew it, but when you actually see it, you're like, ugh. Now, I don't blame those guys for losing the game because ultimately got balls batted. You know, and I would say I would take my chances 10 out of 10 times with Aaron Rodgers on third and short and fourth and short. The batted balls, that's a shitty way to lose. To lose a game where you're winning at halftime, winning in the second half, with Aaron Rodgers against Daniel Jones, who actually played well, Lifelong Cowboys fan, former high school football coach. Okay, okay, here, Adam. Cooper Rush has played well. There's no arguing it. And he has been protected by an obviously elite defense. But it has to be said that he's always been protected by an offensive approach and play calling during this stretch. The staff has found a winning formula, one that works no matter who the quarterback is. How is important if they stick with his blueprint when Dak returns? My point is, it's crucial for Dallas not to go throwing 40 times a game when he comes back just because Dak is in. He's being paid to win, and that's the blueprint for what they found in his absence. Completely agree. I mean, Dak's had a lot of success when they ran the ball well. When, he, when they have been dependent on him to throw the ball over and over, it's where they get in trouble. I say it all the time, like, Dak's arm is not that great. But you don't need me to say it. Just watch. Like, his arm and Cooper Rush's arm aren't that different. Dak does not have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen's arm. So he can't just make all these insane throws. And the more he has to throw, the more likely he's going to throw it to the other team. To me, if you can just run him like a Jimmy Garoppolo-type game plan, 18 of 28, and run the ball and play defense, that is the way to play. Honestly, play more like the 49ers. Don't try to be some mix of the Bills and Chiefs With Dak Prescott, just because you're paying the guy $40 million. I couldn't agree anymore. The more Dak has to throw, the more I want to play Dak Prescott. I'm moving to Scottsdale in November to pursue professional golf. Planning on caddying down there in the meantime to make some extra cash. I know some people at Scottsdale National, Whisper Rock, and Silverleaf. Any recommendations on which course to caddy at? Would appreciate any feedback. Well, shit, invite me to play all those courses. I am more than willing. I'll give you a follow after this question. Uh, I would say I've never played any of the three. Would love to. Um, Know a couple people at Whisper. I've heard it's pretty sweet. Silverleaf, aspire to be there one day. It's, from what I've heard, badass. Scottsdale National is the course that's owned by the guy that owns PXG. Also, I've heard the most exclusive course around here. So I don't think you'd go wrong in any of them. I don't know the caddy situation, though, at any three. Um, If you come down and you want to play a little golf, Gonzaga golfer, well, let's let's play. Shot you a follow there, Matt. Love the podcast. As a Steeler fan, I want to know where you rank the James Harrison pick six in San Antonio Holmes' toe tap game-winning touchdown against the Cardinals in terms of all-time Super Bowl moments. Well, I can just speak the Super Bowl moments to my life. You know, I don't remember the 70s or even the 80s and even the early 90s. Uh, I would say the first massive Super Bowl moment, like a lot of Super Bowls in my youth were like the Cowboys, big win, Niners blowout, Cowboys blowout, uh, the Packers beat the Patriots. I remember the John Elway helicopter. That was a pretty big moment. Uh, I would say the James Harrison... Chase, or Larry Fitzgerald chased down, had to be right up there. Uh, The pick of Kurt Warner in 08. Santonio, toe tap, pretty high up there. I would say Philly special would be right up there. I would say the craziest moment, though, of my adult life would be the pick, uh, the Russell Wilson interception to Malcolm Butler, which you could argue is, you know, a top five crazy moment in the history of professional sports, game winners. I mean Michael Jordan against the Jazz, Malcolm Butler. I'm trying to think of a World Series one, Joe Carter. I mean it'd be on the short list, but I I would say I would put Malcolm Butler pick above both. Uh last question. Hey John, big fan question. DBs nearly impossible to evaluate. A good DB in college doesn't always seem to translate to the NFL. And it seems they are almost set up to fail based on rule trends and their dependence on a strong pass rush. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think part of the problem is in college, if you're a fantastic defensive back prospect, how many NFL wide receivers are you going up against a year? You know, maybe less than half of your opponents have an NFL wide receiver lined up against you. And depending on where you play in college, like, Are you practicing against them every year? Now, at Alabama, you would be. At Georgia, you probably would be. But if I'm at, like, Washington or if I'm at Iowa, no, not not guaranteed. I also also think defense, even more than offense, now you could argue offense for running backs and offensive linemen, scheme-specific. So if I'm a fantastic athlete, but I don't have great instincts – Are they putting me in a zone scheme where I have to be an instinctive player in space and I don't get to just man up and use my athleticism or vice versa? Like Richard Sherman did not have elite speed, but he had fantastic instincts and fantastic length. So you put him in a zone situation, he could take advantage of it, right? And then there are certain guys, like if you watch the dude from the the Broncos, Patrick Sertan, He's fucking the total package. He's basically Richard size, but with Revis movement. He could play in any scheme. Most DBs are not. Most DBs are very scheme dependent. So I, I think it's a, it's probably the most scheme dependent position of them all, especially for corner, right? Am I putting you in a man situation and you're a zone corner and vice versa? And that happens a lot. It is very, I, I always struggle with the evaluation of, of college DBs. Safety is very difficult. Uh, because they're just you, you're you're evaluating a lot of intangible stuff, starting with instincts. I think instincts as a defensive back are extremely important where like I can see instincts as a running back right in college, if you're getting 10, 15 carries a game, like you're just getting the ball so much i'm going to be able to see how natural of a runner you are as a DB if you're a great college dB, what if they never throw your way? So it's like I, I can just it's harder to tell. That's why I think you've seen a lot of guys miss at that position. Though, one thing I would say about the top guys drafted the last several years, Sauce Gardner looks sweet. Sertan looks sweet. Horn's kid looks sweet. A lot of the top corners the last several years look like they're plug-and-play stars. And then I think as the draft goes, it's very hit or miss. You know, Hufunga is becoming one of the best safeties in the league. Most people thought he could not play in space. Well, the Niners don't really ask him to play in space. They leave him up near the line of scrimmage. So he doesn't really get exposed trying to cover a bunch of ground. He gets to just tackle. He gets to play the run. And then he kind of just gets to pick his spots in the passing game. They're not asking him to like man up tight ends. He just gets to hit people. And I I think that's so big for anything in life. Do I put you in the right position to succeed? And at DB, more than... like At linebacker, for the most part, if you can tackle, you're going to make tackles. Right? I mean, some schemes... I would say impact certain players, but like you could put Fred Warner, Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekly, you could put the top linebackers in any fucking scheme and they're gonna dominate. Willis, Bowman, you know, Ray Lewis, you just Urlacher. It doesn't really matter. But some guys, you know, are gonna be better suited for certain schemes. But DBs, I especially corners, very, very scheme dependent. Appreciate everyone firing in those DMs. Hope you guys have a good week, and I will talk to everyone soon. Adios. <laughs> cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo active cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease